Hi, and welcome to Screens in Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Diana. I'm Brittany. And this is episode 16. Today, we'll be reviewing season three, episodes 13 and 14 of The Walking Dead with the lens of justice. Before we dive in, how are you doing today, Diana? I'm doing great. It's been a little while since, Mm -hmm. uh, well... Okay, it's only been almost two weeks. <laughs> it feels like it's been a while. I know. So, um, but yeah, I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing well. We bought a new TV. It's <laughs> my karma for saying I don't need TV and then it breaks. I have to go buy a new one. We all need TV. So yeah, I feel it a couple hundred dollars poor, but it's okay. It's what credit cards are for. <laughs> I know. But now you'll get to see everything so crisply. Right. And I do like that it has all the apps on it already. Like it has Hulu, Amazon Video, Netflix, everything already on it. So it's kind of easier to use. A smart TV? Yeah. Yeah. So it's easier to use. Yeah. Oh, well. Did you watch the Billboard Music Awards? No, I just saw clips of it. Yeah, I just saw highlights too, but Uh I was so happy to see Kelly Clarkson on there. Oh, yeah. And that she did a phenomenal job. She's fun. Yeah, she is. I love her. Yeah. (laughs) She's great. Okay. But first, let's do a recap. Okay. Season 3, Episode 13, Arrow on the Doorpost. Rick and the governor meet at Andrea's request to bring about peace, only to be booted out of the conversation. She joins Herschel, Darrow, Martinez, and Milton outside, who are at a truce. At the prison, Merle is restless and wants to ambush the governor, but Glenn and the others say they will wait and follow Rick's instructions because they don't want any more casualties. The governor tells Rick he wants Michonne in exchange for peace and gives him two days to decide. But Rick knows better and goes back to the prison and tells them that the governor wants them all dead and to prepare for war. He confides to Herschel of the governor's proposal. Season 3, Episode 14, Prey. Milton now sees that Philip is most likely a lost cause and urges Andrea to tell the people at the prison to leave. But she wants to kill Philip. She tries to escape Woodbury and makes it to the prison, but Philip catches her before anyone can see her and throws her in his homemade torture chamber like the goddamn creepy, sadistic, maniacal serial killer that he is. All right, Diana, let's talk about the theme of justice. Where did you see it in these two episodes? I saw it with Andrea trying to bring about peace and seeking justice for Rick and the group at the prison. She arranged for Rick and the governor to talk, but they dismiss her, which is really maddening. While she waits outside, she talks with Herschel and asks about Maggie, and Herschel confirms the governor abused her and he is a bad guy. And Andrea feels lost and doesn't know what she will do. And Herschel tells her that she can go with them, but she ends up leaving with the governor. And I'm hoping it's because she wants to keep an eye on him. Milton spills the beans to her about the governor, showing her the torture chamber that he so gleefully created and letting her know that the governor plans to kill Michonne and the others Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Andrea finally gets it and decides to shoot the governor. She attempts to shoot him, but once again, Milton stops her from pulling the trigger. Then it's her mission to warn Rick and the group, and she 
attempts to sneak out, but Martinez catches her and takes her gun, and she heads to the other exit where Sasha and Therese are on guard. She warns them about the governor and finally flees Woodbury. As she makes her way to the prison, she evades walkers and the governor. Right as she sees Rick, she waves to get his attention, and the governor grabs her and takes her back to Woodbury and locks her up in the chair. Andrea tried so hard to bring about peace in these past episodes, and once she saw what the governor was capable of, she had to seek out justice for her and the group at the prison. Right. So, to go off of that, I think that it's incredibly sexist and unjust that Andrea does not have a seat at the table when it comes to this meetup between the governor and Rick. Both Rick and Philip dismiss her as if she's a mere peasant compared to their magnificent mm-hmm. masculinity. I was real disappointed in Rick in this scene. And to be a part of that dick measuring contest, <laughs> excuse me, and agreeing with Philip that Andrea is a nobody compared to their royal highnesses. Gross. <laughs> Andrea is the reason they're having this damn meeting. And she gets asked to leave as if she's in the goddamn way. The audacity. Her remarks are immediately disregarded. And Philip says... She's not in a position to be making such offers anyway. Shamelessly making her feel inferior in front of Rick. Everyone wants to feel valued, and Andrea certainly is not, especially in this episode. Andrea has some true class because I would have felt so humiliated and infuriated. Where is the justice for Andrea? (laughs) I agree. There is injustice with everything that the governor does. Even though he claims he is seeking justice for Penny, Penny wasn't living, she was a walker, and the governor is delusional and a psychopath with no remorse. There's injustice with Rick. He goes to meet with Rick, but has a gun hidden so that he has the upper hand. He doesn't want peace, he wants Michonne. And then he wants to get rid of Rick and the group. He attempts to manipulate Rick and tells him that he can save his kids and his friends if he just hands over Michonne. There's injustice with Andrea, lying to her, chasing her, imprisoning her. He lies to her about his intention with Rick and the group. He will kill all of them without a second thought. When he finds that she is trying to escape, he allows it and then chases her in a field trying to run her over. Who does that? chases people with their car. She gets away and finds an abandoned building and goes in and he quickly makes his way in also. He hunts her like prey as he whistles a creepy tune. It was such an intense, scary part of the episode. She finally makes it out and finds her way to the prison, but the governor grabs her and takes her back to Woodbury. Martinez, Milton, and Sasha all ask if he has found her. And he says no. And the episode has a dramatic ending with the point of view facing the door and then taking you through the hallways and more doorways to find Andrea gagged and bound to the torture chair. All this injustice that the governor has put upon Andrea. It's hard to go up against a depraved, cold-blooded killer. Yes, and I think that the governor confuses justice with vengeance, and his ego and his pride get in the way of seeing that. He claims justice is for Penny, but I actually believe it's because, one, 
He cannot stand that a woman got the best of him. A woman of color at that. Two, Michonne took his damn eye out. He's bitter (laughs) AF, okay? (laughs) Three, he's got a crazy primal desire to get vengeance and to get even, rather than make the decision that helps the greater good. I think he's incredibly sexist, and this is a huge reason why he goes after Andrea, too. He cannot come to terms with the fact that another woman evaded his power and control. I don't see him chasing down Merle. What's the difference? Oh, right. Andrea and Michonne are women. The governor has shown us his true colors beneath all that Southern hospitality that we all knew was poppycock. Anyway, it really makes me laugh that Philip cannot go beyond his primal instincts and call for punishment and just dig deeper to find a way to live in peace. Revenge is the easy way out. He justifies his violence behind Penny's death, but this is truly about justice for his own damn ego. I also want to bring up Milton's sense of justice. So when Andrea is leaving, she says to Milton, if you stay, you can't keep looking the other way. And I think that Milton's sense of justice really helps him to stand up to the governor by telling him to let Andrea go and that she only wants to be with her people. He's trying to reason with him and Milton is so brave and honest with the governor and he even admits that Andrea did tell him that she was leaving. I was very proud of him in this moment. (laughs) I think he has really just behavior in general and follows his own moral compass. So to go against Philip and put the pits on fire, I think that's him. I'm just really proud of him. So for Milton, justice is its own reward. And he wants the best for everyone, especially Woodbury. And he still doesn't know what the governor is capable of. Mm -hmm. Even though he sees it, he's still not thinking it's going to affect him. (laughs) But let's just wait. Okay, Diana, what are other things you noticed in these episodes? So I noticed the song at the end of the Prey episode that played as we see the door and what is behind it. It is called You Are the Wilderness by Vauxhall Broadcast, who is now defunct, unfortunately. I actually liked it when they started playing these songs at the beginning or ending of the episodes. And I think this was one of the first episodes that they started doing this on. And music speaks to me and adds a feel or a tone. So I actually really liked it. Um, The other thing that I noticed was I just love Glenn and Maggie as a young couple in love. And I'm glad that they had a good conversation, which leads them to kissing. And then Glenn notices the walkers <laughs> they're chomping <laughs> at the gate and says he can't, but Maggie's got an idea. So she takes them to another area where she closes this big metal rolling door and they proceed to take off their clothes. And I'm thinking, how are you having sex on this <laughs> metal floor? Ouch! <laughs> Not comfortable at all. Isn't there a blanket or something around? <laughs> it's amazing that Maggie didn't get pregnant sooner than she did. I mean, what's up with that? I am glad that they put these scenes in, in between all the awfulness and the gore and the killing and the dying. It is so needed and so appreciated. Okay, what else did you notice, Brittany, in these episodes? So, I loved the exchange between the two dudes with the nerdiest names on the show, (laughs) Milton and Herschel. Milton wants to see Herschel's leg, and it's like for science history purposes, right? And Herschel says, I'm not showing you my leg. And Milton says, it's important data. And then Herschel says, I don't even know you. At least buy me a drink first. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's cute. I like it. It was a really sweet, realistic moment. And 
It's also striking to me that someone in both Fear the Walking Dead, Al, and The Walking Dead, Milton, are recording things to keep for historical purposes, to keep track of what happened in the aftermath of the outbreak. So I think that's really cool. And I also just want to say that I love Tyrese. I love, 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 love this man. So when Ben is getting in Tyrese's face about what went down with Donna, Tyrese is so calm. He's so empathetic and just such an intuitively active listener. Ben is showcasing a man's bruised ego because his wife adored Tyrese and Ben could not handle it. But Tyrese acts as a good friend and does not engage in yet another power struggle in this damn episode. Tyrese did not do anything wrong, but he still takes the time to hear out his friend's grievances and he wants to move past this. So he really handles every interaction with such like skillful tact, grace, and sympathy. And I really admire that. Awesome. I love Tyrese. (laughs) All right, Diana, we are at why we love Rick. So why do you love Rick? I love Rick because he can keep his cool, even when the governor is questioning him about his paternity and basically calling him out for misjudging people and saying he didn't see the devil beside him. And he says, oh, I see him all right. Then he can switch gears and ask for advice from his confidant, Herschel. He tells him what the governor has proposed on the exchange of Michonne for the safety of the group. But Herschel says she has earned her place and asks, why are you telling me? And Rick says, because I'm hoping you'll talk me out of it. That's why I love Rick. (laughs) Why do you love Rick? I love Rick because he came to the meeting with Philip prepared. He had a plan of action to create boundaries and make sure neither side crosses. It's a valid solution and would work for everyone. Even though Rick despises Philip, he still managed to come up with a way for all of them to get what they wanted. So this just has a lot to say about his character and his skills as a leader, trying to make a case for all of their futures. Okay, Diana, what are you currently watching? Well, let's start with Fear the Walking Dead, which is season three, episode six, just in case. I thought it was a really good episode, but I'm a little confused about Laura slash Naomi. It was good to hear about her background and the guilt she carried about her daughter and the people at the FEMA Center. I also thought Madison was smart to pack a car with food and weapons and leave it for themselves just in case, which is the title of the episode. Also, I was confused about the ending. I mean, why did they have John and Morgan at gunpoint? And when John went to Laura, did Alicia intend to shoot him or Laura? And why is Laura Naomi with the vultures? Was she with them all along or is this a new partnership? She didn't appear to be coerced. I hope John isn't dead. Assuming he isn't, because that would be bad since I love his character so much. And I'm really glad that Morgan seems to be in a good place right now and trying to get everyone to calm down and work things out. I don't know if that'll happen, but I'm glad he's trying. Anyway, I'm loving this season. Where are you? So I'm on the flip side. I thought this episode was really awful. So for a few reasons, Morgan's peace talking feels extremely (laughs) forced. It feels inappropriate and unnerving, honestly. I hated that he told that vulture that Alicia, Victor, and Luciana would be at that place. It makes no sense. Morgan does not know these people and could have inadvertently signed Alicia, Victor, and Luciana's goddamn death certificates. 
this whole Naomi storyline is getting way too convoluted. And you're right, I did like to hear her backstory, but I think I'm just over people with sad backstories and that basically makes them okay to make bad choices in the future. I'm very over that. Everyone has a sad story to tell. That doesn't mean you get to be bad later. Anyway, I liked her to begin with, but now that the writers have really just pulled her in so many different directions, what the hell is going on? This is not a good kind of confusion for me. It's just frustrating. I also laughed out loud when six cars full of vultures got out of those cars pointed their guns at literally five people. They really felt that threatened. They have the power in that situation. Why not just shoot these five people down from afar? Seems like overkill. Also, Al's documentary shooting seems extremely comically out of place, especially in the scene where Alicia and company are pointing their guns at Morgan and John. So you're literally just filming everything apathetically. You don't care to contribute, even if someone is about to die. Not realistic at all. Honestly, super off-putting and almost offensive. Her whole, I'm not involved attitude is the argument I hate hearing from people. This really grinds my gears. I cringe so much when people say, oh, I didn't do it. Mm-hmm, but you let it happen. Better yet, Elle, you watched it happen. Absolutely sickening. I was not impressed or happy with this episode at all. And please, John is not dead, and I am so annoyed that the writers think they could fool us at this point. We already know your damn tricks, okay? <laughs> So annoyed. I don't think he's dead. I think he's just shot. Right. Let's hope. Because it really, if they killed him, I think it would be the end of people. People would be like, forget these shows. You know, right. you guys keep doing this. So I really don't think he's dead. I think he's just going to be hurt. And and how are you going to kill off a character that you introduced, what, five episodes ago? And that everybody is like... We love. loving. I mean, I think everybody loves John yes. that I hear about. So, totally. and the only thing, because I, you know, it's funny when I saw Al filming and all these guns were pointed, I'm like, what the hell are you doing? What the hell? Get, get, you know, do something. But I also on, on that side, I really did think she is a journalist and I know there are journalists out there that think the most important thing is to get things on film get the story. It's like their whatever, their mantra, whatever it is. It's like, I am going to get this filmed no matter what happens. Just like when people go out to war and there's people filming what is happening rather than fighting. I mean, there are people that have this. I know. I'm just saying, yeah. I'm trying to think how, why is it that she's holding? Because they made her hold that and do that for a purpose. And so she has to find the reason to be doing that. I know. And that. I'm sure inside <laughs> she's doing this. I'm just trying to give her a little bit of a benefit I as hate to why. That, but but I didn't agree with it either, because I'm thinking, you know, I'm sorry, saving lives is the most important thing, but And it just yeah. it's like when people are getting their ass beat, people pull their phones out and record. Oh it. yeah, yeah. I'm like, why yeah. are you doing that? Why well, do you help that person? Okay, but like, that's I'm different because that's not your that to me that's different that's just somebody wants to make some money or do whatever it is where i feel like she's committed to being this storyteller or whatever it is i don't know cuz i think she is a good person i mean i do like her unless she goes into something 
I'm going to stand by she's super annoying. And she's one of those (laughs) self-diagnosed gluten-free people. So let's not. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well. No offense to gluten-free people. I just made gluten-free cupcakes this morning. Okay, calm down. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Okay, Diana, what else are you watching Well, last week was finale time for so many shows. Um, The Voice. The winner was the youngest winner ever, 15-year-old Bryn Cartelli. I think I'm saying her name right. Mm -hmm. She was coached by Kelly Clarkson, and I'm so happy that Kelly was her coach and won the very first time coaching someone. Um, American Idol. Um, Ryan Seacrest reveals that the final two singers were dating. And it was cute because Maddie Poppy said she didn't care who won, but ultimately she won. She was the winner. And her beau, Caleb Lee Hutchinson, was the runner-up. And then Dancing with the Stars, Adam Rippon was the crowned winner. And then in Survivor, it had a first. Can you imagine after all these seasons? And mm. the first was that uh, there was, you know, three people and two of them had a tie so the third person standing had to vote who the winner was and so it was wendell so wendell holland and then um roseanne um i watched the last two episodes of the season and it was revealed that roseanne is addicted to pain meds after suffering from a bad knee that they couldn't afford surgery on And Dan gave an emotional speech about feeling the weight of the world on him and not sure if he can keep it up. It was pretty raw and realistic. And I love that they tackle real issues. And I read that the season two will deal more with family than politics. And I also read that critics wonder why politics didn't have a bigger spotlight. But as long as they make me laugh, I am good. Um, I also watched uh, Splitting Up Together, and the executive producer is Ellen DeGeneres, and it stars Jenna Fisher and Oliver Hudson. And it's about a couple who find themselves being roommates and co-parents rather than a couple, so they decide to divorce but stay under the same roof to raise their family and soon figure out things about themselves and realize splitting up isn't that easy. And it's a cute show, and it's renewed for the second season. I also watched The Fall on Netflix with Gillian Anderson and Jamie Doran. It's a British-Irish crime drama where she investigates murders and is tracking a serial killer while he, the serial killer, is plotting his next kill while covering his tracks. And I finished the first season and will continue to watch. Did you happen to see that? Yeah, it's okay. really good. I love that show. Okay. I had a feeling you did. That's why I asked you. Yeah, you know me with yeah. creepy murder mystery. <laughs> What's wrong with Have me? you watched more than the first season then? No. Oh, okay. Um, and then, oh man, last Thursday, I watched The Last Days of Michael Jackson. Aww. And I had so many emotions watching this. I can't even put it into words. I mean, his music made you dance, sing, and feel. Um, and I adored Michael Jackson. He was a genius. and I And I really mean that in every sense of the word. He's talented. He was so driven. He was so creative, a remarkable entertainer. And this program showed the height of his fame and the ugly part of his fame and his demise. And that was the part that was really heartbreaking. It reminded me what he gave this world. And I wish that future generations could have experienced him. I mean, people can listen to his music, but he was more than just his songs. 
I miss him and his talent, and I'm glad that I watched the show. Even the people interviewed on the show were emotional, and some of them were artists themselves. So I was so glad to see that it wasn't just me. And then I saw the Steve Martin and Martin Short, an evening you will forget for the rest of your lives. (laughs) It was a fun uh, variety show filled with laughter, music, stories, and sketches. And... For movies, I watched Murder on the Orient Express, which I liked. And I know you watched this, Brittany, a few weeks back. And at first, it was hard to connect. But um, a third of the way through, I was in and wondering who the murderer was. (laughs) And then I got to watch Avengers Infinity War. And this was an awesome movie, making me want more and hated that it ended, even after two and a half hours. It was just something... You need to watch. And I loved seeing everyone's part in it. And I want to say, I love Thor. (laughs) And Chris Pratt was funny as usual. And there are a few deaths. And I really don't like any of them at all. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. So just go see it. And then I saw Cargo on Netflix. And did you happen to see this, Brittany? So I just saw the trailer. Yeah, it's a post-apocalyptic zombie movie, surprise, (laughs) uh, set in Australian Outback with Martin Freeman. I was hooked right away. I mean, within 15 minutes, my eyes were welled up with tears. And in 18 minutes, I was totally panicked. And Martin plays Andy, a father trying to get his baby to safety after being infected himself. And he meets an Aboriginal girl named Tommy, who decides to help him and his baby daughter, Rosie. He only has 48 hours before he turns, and this movie dealt with the characters and their journey rather than gore, which I really appreciated. And you were able to see how the virus progressed through Andy. It was good, and it kept my attention. Um, And then I watched Kidnap with Halle Berry as a mom whose son is abducted, and most of the movie is her chasing the kidnapper's uh, car, trying to get her son back. And this movie got such bad reviews. <laughs> and so I wasn't expecting much. But you know what? I was pleasantly surprised, and it was watchable and filled with action. It was like Mama Bear in full force. And interestingly enough, one of the bad guys was Lou Temple, who played Axel on The Walking Dead. <laughs> I know that was funny. Okay, Brittany, what did you watch? So I binge watched the second season of 13 Reasons Why, and then I watched Beyond the Reasons, which is the talk show where they talk about it afterwards. So I enjoyed it much more than the first season, which is strange because the first season was actually based on the novel, and the second season's storylines were not originally a part of that. So I thought that this season was more reflective, and even though some parts seemed very forced or corny, I think the point of the show is really to pose these issues as points of conversations. I think we tend to be unsympathetic to things like rape, suicide, bullying, access to guns, high school in general, because people like to dismiss teenagers' experiences with a quick, get over it, just keep your head up, life is hard, we all hate it, grow a backbone. However, just because their experiences aren't yours doesn't make theirs a lie. It's pretty hard to be a teenager, especially a young woman in society that constantly sexualizes you, but at the same time, shames you for it. 
I think that if you're depressed or feeling suicidal, definitely don't watch it because it is triggering. Otherwise, I think it's important to watch things that make you uncomfortable sometimes because it brings up difficult but needed conversations about mental health, rape culture, and how to start those difficult conversations in the first place. I don't think we should just watch TV or movies or read books or anything to escape. We should also try to challenge ourselves, just dig deeper, be better than the governor, and better ourselves emotionally and mentally. So I really enjoyed it. I also watched Wormwood, which is a mini-series about Frank Olson. He's an American biological warfare scientist and a CIA employee who died under mysterious circumstances in 1953. So his son takes us through his story, and we're basically left with the question, did Frank commit suicide? or was a murder covered up? Also, in some streaming news, Barack and Michelle Obama signed a multi-year production deal with Netflix to work on both scripted and unscripted content, so I'm really excited to see what they produce. Um, And a side note, some people are annoyed that they're doing this. Roseanne on Twitter, she said, you should stick to politics and no president should go from being a president to making content because it's biased. And she said, but it's okay if you go from being a teep being on TV to being a president. Like, okay, anyway, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama are goals, so shut up. What do you want them to do? Live on an island for the rest of their life and do nothing? No thanks. Yeah. Anyway. Well, they're bringing out positive um, stories is what they want to work on, which I think is awesome. They want to share people's stories. Yeah. And everything is biased. Every movie, show, book, everything is biased. Everything. Yeah. Don't sit here and tell me nothing is biased. Please. Whatever. Anyway, I also watched the episode of Ellen where Ashton Kutcher and his partner, through their tech company that they're involved in, donated $4 million in cryptocurrency to Ellen's wildlife charity. And I think that with such awful news in the headlines every week, this just really warmed my heart. Mm, Yeah. As far as movies, I watched both of Ali Wong's Netflix specials. She's freaking hilarious. I'm going to watch her. My (laughs) God. Watch her. Do yourself a favor and watch her. So... Her first Netflix special was, I think, in 2016 or 17, but Jimmy and I actually watched her perform back in 2012 at the Wild 94.9 Comedy Jam, so that led me to this. I was busting up laughing, almost peed my pants, had to pause because I couldn't hear her while laughing that hard. She's from San Francisco, she's a writer for Fresh Off the Boat, and she's half Chinese, half Vietnamese, while her husband is half Japanese, half Filipino, but they grew up in the U.S., so I find her content really relatable. She talks about things ranging from motherhood, marriage, to working in an office, and just super vulgar things, too, so you've been warned, okay? And I also watched Avengers Infinity wars and even though batman is my absolute favorite superhero of all time and the dark knight is one of my favorite movies ever i love 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 the marvel films and the avengers series like what a tragic yet beautifully strewn together culmination of the past 10 plus years and nice try writers all those dead heroes of ours (laughs) minus maybe three or four are coming back we know it okay anyway i can't wait until avengers 4 It just really, that was like one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. And lastly, both Diane and I watched The Tale, so I watched it on Hulu because I have the HBO add-on. Laura Dern stars in this biographical tale about Jennifer Fox, a woman who explored her past of sexual abuse as a teenager, and it just brings up issues of how accurate our memories are and how we can view ourselves in different times, so I thought it was really good. Yeah, it just got us, even us having a discussion and thinking about it and about uh, Jason Ritter's 
portrayal of being such looking like such a nice guy and uh, I don't know it was just it was disturbing it's disturbing but it's good so we recommend it yeah okay Diana we are at and the award goes to what was your favorite moment quote or character my favorite is character and it's for Andrea <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had to make sure I said her name right. It's for Andrea for persevering, for fighting for peace, for realizing she was wrong about the governor and not hiding from the truth or feeling sorry for herself. She tried to kill him, but Milton stopped her. Damn it again, Milton, for fighting those walkers in the woods and running from the truck and not losing her cool while figuring out her way in the abandoned building And when the governor finds her, she uses the door to shield her from the walkers while funneling them toward him. And she's able to get out for finding her way to the prison, even though others needed a map or a car. I mean, she is finally caught by the governor and strapped to a chair, but she sits there with her eyes wide open. And I just give her a lot of of credit. I mean, she is strong and brave. And that in itself is a telltale sign of what is to come. Okay, Brittany, who does your award go to? My award goes to the moment where Glenn is apologizing to Mackie. This scene is really important, especially for the men out there. So listen up. For some reason, when women are assaulted, sometimes men can make it about themselves. And this is exactly what Glenn admits to. And I'm so proud of him in this moment for getting over his jarred masculinity and shame to finally let Maggie have her moment and be there for her instead. The truth in Maggie's words back to Glenn are almost staggering. I just wanted you to see me. Wow, what an idea for a man to see his girlfriend as herself, not as the victim of sexual assault. It sometimes makes me sad that women have to spell this out for men, but I was satisfied with their reconciliation. What we do have to remember, though, is that Glenn's apology is not every man's response. Sometimes men never unpack those feelings of shame or guilt or even blaming the victim. Of course, we have extremely intelligent writers who are giving us this tender moment of realization, but not every woman is lucky to have a man like Glenn who will admit when he's screwed up, especially in these types of situations. So I just want to say that I appreciate the writers for giving us Glenn and for setting an example of how men can be there for their ladies in similar times of need. Okay, so that's our show. Thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in and we hope something we said today resonated with you and gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some positivity or inspiration. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend. We would love more members of our TV club. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. We need your feedback. We'll be uploading new episodes every Tuesday and the next show will be on season three, episodes 15 and 16. You can find our blog at the link listed in our description. See you next time. Bye.